So let's everybody warm up, get to it. Okay, where do we get preaching from? Let's just start it right there. Where where do we get it from? Five Is acts it of worship, sermon. Five acts of worship. Where do we get yes. it? Yes. Where do Go. we get it from? Preaching. Where Second does Timothy preaching two come from? And verse four. Second Timothy chapter four. Is okay. where probably right? Isn't that where it comes from? Hang on, hang on. Uh, Second Timothy. And like that, I'll that guy in that Acts who fell asleep and it died. It is from the Bible. Yeah. Um. What? One more time. Let's do it again. Second Timothy. What? Second Timothy four. Okay. One through say like five. Mm. Okay. It says right there, what? verse two. Preach the word. Well, read okay. it. Read, read, the, read the passage for the listeners. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Paul says, I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, Repute, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming... When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And wow, if verse 3 isn't relevant for today. Oh, for sure. For sure. Let's just let <laughs> table that. That's a good episode. By the way, I've been noticing as we've been going down through here, there have been some good ones that we were like, oh, we need to do that. We need to go back and do those. Like that would be a good one, Daniel. Verse Is three. Anybody taking notes? No, no. <laughs> Listeners, please take notes. <laughs> <laughs> Remind us where we've gone amiss. Suzanne, hint, hint. Somebody. Yes. Somebody. Is there okay. Out there? Too many hunchbacks, not enough scientists in this in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is <laughs> a metaphor and a half right there. Point <laughs> five. Notice I didn't say it the other way around. That would be uh, giving us too much credit. Not so, a scientist here. Not a scientist. Now this is good, Daniel. And uh, what? Where's the verse where it says to do it just on Sundays for worship? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think we're sensing a theme with all of these so far. Right. Is where's the verse that limits that to Sunday? Yeah. Because it's kind absolutely. of becoming, you know, obviously clear as we keep doing these. That is the same. Yeah, it's the same where it's like obviously you're supposed to be preaching and obviously you're supposed to be an audience to a preacher because, you know, you're supposed to be like hearing the things that are preached. Um, so there's both sides of the coin there. But there's no timeline associated with this. It's not like do this on Mondays and Fridays and Bible class on Wednesdays and, you know, whatever. Um, it's just basically like this is just a way of life. Again, is we're supposed to be preaching and teaching each other and learning from each other and having great patience and rebuking, correcting, encouraging, all those things. But that kind of sounds like everyday Christianity, right? I really think that this kind of gets us into what is the work of the church. And I think 
that we're kind of pointing toward Ephesians chapter 4, um, where Paul very clearly and specifically lays out what the church does, what the like the function, the purpose of the church is in Ephesians chapter 4. When he says in chapter 4 and verse 11 that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, all roles and functions in the church, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And that's the work of the church. We do that for each other. And certain of us fulfill certain roles as evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. But the whole thing is done to prepare the saints. That is the church. That's the people who are the church to do the work of ministry so that everyone is out there exhorting and encouraging and teaching. And it's a, it's a prophesying. Sorry. Well, we have the prophets. Ball. We have the apostles as well. They're right there in the, in the Bible. But, um, that's, that's what we're, that's what our aim is. It's a, it's a self-replicating system, right? Where, where we build one another up so that we all go out and do this stuff and then we can build up the next group and the next group after them and so on and so forth. Making disciples, like Jesus said in the, the Great Commission. Um, so yeah, the, I, I think that's kind of where we're pointing at here. Especially as Paul is giving instruction to Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. Well, what's that? It's it's equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Yeah. Hmm. I agree with you. And uh, I would I would play on this all day long because I, I couldn't agree more. I think some of the hang-up is, though, that while no one says that they're trying to check a list, I think it would be hard for people to... To, to really get around the fact that in our minds, a lot of us are checking a box. We're checking boxes. And one of the boxes that we check is around worship and it's around Sunday. That's why if, if, if anything happens, uh, you know, if there's a power outage or the, I don't know, the building floats away, there's much angst in our hearts about what we, the five things that we didn't do on Sunday. And I'm not trying to be super sarcastic here, but you, you get where I'm going. And, what you just said, Daniel, is 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 backing up from all of that and then saying, but what are we supposed to become? Like, what are we supposed to be? Not what event should we attend or what event should we take part in, but what should we be? And when we are being what we should be, um, it, it almost, I don't want to say it takes... Uh, away from the event, but it's it's a totally different perspective, right? So then as, as we talk about this preaching piece, what you said is who we should be. Uh, that's, I think, as he's tell, talking to Timothy, as Paul's talking to Timothy, he's like, Timothy, this is who I need you to be. He's like, I charge you 
to go out and do this. Be ready. That's what he says. Be ready in season, out of season. That's King James. Uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering, patience. Like that's who I need you to be. And who I need you to be sometimes becomes what event do I need you to uh, to participate in at a particular time. And if we don't get our minds wrapped around who the Lord wants us to be, then we will only be the thing during the time boxed in by the event. After the event's over, we won't be this, right? And then I would say we're not being that. We just we 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 just slotted into it for a few moments. Yeah, because it's like we call it the five acts of worship, but in a way, like you know, what you said here it makes perfect sense. This is what we're supposed to be. This is what we're supposed to be living. Like this is our life as Christians to be doing these things. Um, that's not necessarily an act of worship in and of itself. Well, actually, it is. I th- it I think. is. Yeah. 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 So it yeah. is. But I mean, it's not like when I say an act of worship, like as we say it in the phrase of what are the five acts of worship, you know, it just feels different. Um, but it really like how you live your life is an act of worship. So that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. But um, it almost makes me challenge like the way we even say like, oh, we've got to make sure we do the five acts of worship on Sunday because it, you, you should probably just call it the five things we do on Sunday. You know, like instead of an act of worship, because like just doing those things doesn't mean you're worshiping. Like there's so much more to Christianity that's worship. Like the list would be really long if you wanted to actually say what was what are the things that we're supposed to be doing to worship God. Like that's a really long list. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. 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 And uh, so okay. I feel like we shortchange ourselves by, oh man. But it kind of also makes me remember, you said earlier, Julian, you know, that you know, all of us intrinsically kind of has this desire to check the box. And I think it comes from a good place because yep. like, you know, when I think back to like, you know, when I was learning to fly and you have a checklist, like you really got to look at the checklist every single flight and make sure like before landing checklist, did I put the wheels down? Yes or no. <laughs> right. Like you want to make sure that you don't forget something stupid and you will get, you really want to stay on track with the things that'll save your life. And so I think that's, you know, kind of what the, the, origin maybe of it is it's like no matter what these are like essential ingredients of things we do um but they're not a sunday thing i I mean we still have to do lord's supper next week so stay tuned for that one where we determine if that one is a sunday thing or not but um so far what we've said i don't think anything has been pinned into being a sunday thing it's a lifestyle thing for the other acts oh yeah it's a thing no doubt about it. I like how you said it. It's a lifestyle thing. It's absolutely a thing. And like Daniel said, like then what's the, what is the purpose? Because one of the things it, uh, that books will say, and it's a common thing that you know we will even say is, well, let's get back to the way that the first century did things, right? Or let's look at the first century as an example on how how a church should behave. Like what should a church do, and. And sometimes um, we could find we we find ourselves saying, "Well, what did the first century do?" As you, as you said, on Sunday, right? And and the example I was thinking of, Daniel, when I was thinking about preaching was Acts twenty and verse number seven, right? Because I have yeah. used this verse many a times, right? This is classic, and it says, "Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul." 
ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Um, and, and as you remember, he preached so long, Julian style, that Eutychus fell out of the window and died. Uh, and Paul, Paul, <laughs> Paul went down there uh, and, and brought him on up, right? Um, but I think the when when we say what did the first century church do, then we would say, oh well, look, here's what they did: Acts chapter twenty and verse number seven. And did they do this? Well, absolutely, they did, because here it is. But then you you go back to well, but what what were they meant to do? What was the church? What were they trying to become? Right? What what is it that they were uh, embodying? Not just what did they do here on this instance when poor Eutychus fell out of the window, like. What was it? What they were breaking bread? Like I know we haven't talked about that yet, but what did that mean? What did that mean when they did that? And and it seems like if we're if we're concentrating on more of the substance of the thing rather than this particular event, that we'll go back and go, okay, so then it's a sin then if you don't lock down on twenty and seven on when they did this, the first day of the week. Like we can read that, we see when they did that, but it's more about. I do believe it's or or it's equally weighted to know, well, why were they together? I mean, what what were they remembering? What was he talking about? Like what what was he preaching about? What was he teaching about? Why was he doing that? Like that's who they become and who they became as a result. Which I think is it should hold vitally as much weight in this because it's who we should become as a result. I think that is a hugely important point because I think a lot of times this is the one when we think about the five acts, this is the one that we treat the most passively, right? Yeah. Mm. When, when we're singing together, we're singing. When we're praying together, we're, you know, we've got our, we ought to be at least with our heads bowed and, and our thoughts focused on, the prayer and the rest of it we do together, but this one we can kind of sit back and take our foot off the gas a little bit. And we go right back to Ephesians 4. What's we've got the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, they have a job. What's the congregation's job? What's the job of the saints? Their job is to become equipped. Mm -hmm. to go out and do the work of ministry. And their job is to really engage this process. But so often, we ju it's so much easier to sit back and think, I'm not being entertained. I don't like this anecdote. I didn't care for this, uh, his tone of voice, or, you know, any any number of things that we that we think about that take us away from what that individual is trying to do, which ought to be preparing us to go out and face the challenges of Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday so that we can be, uh, you know, that we can be as effective as we can be in the kingdom. Um, it's so easy to fall into that clergy laity mindset you know, where we've got a preacher, he preaches at us, we're a church, we're good. Um, and, and it's that passive engagement with the, the, the lesson, the message, the, the, the power of Scripture in that particular instance. It just, it deadens us to the work that we ought to be doing. 
I'm glad that you brought that up because I was kind of thinking about something similar. I, I, w- I wouldn't have said it as well, probably, but um, the you know the the sermon itself. I often feel like, well, most of the time, my personal impression, and this isn't geared at any specific preacher, this is a general statement, is that sermons are not worship. Like, I don't, I kind of don't think of sermons as worship, to be honest. Um, now, some sermons can be a sermon of, that, that I do feel like I'm worshiping in, but most sermons, I feel like I'm just learning. It's about me. Like, it's like you need to, you know, you can be doing X, Y, and Z, or you should focus on X, Y, and Z to become a better Christian, Um, you know, and I should be applying that to myself, and I should be learning, you know, like it's a good time to figure things out and evaluate yourself. Um, But it doesn't, to me, worship is something that we're giving to God. And a lot of times our sermons aren't giving something to God. It's like giving God to the people. Mm. Does that make sense? You know, this is honestly (laughs) surprising. Something that I've thought about a lot. How do we, as preachers, evangelists, how do we avoid that? Mm -hmm. How do we make the entire assembly, the whole time we have together, a cohesive worship experience and i think you understand what i mean by that phrase mm-hmm. um a, a, a time where the the entire the entire time we're spent together is is engaging focused um active participatory worship to god and what i keep coming back to over and over again is so often we fall into these patterns and it's kind of an old joke, right? You've got your two songs, your prayer, your song, your stu- your supper, song, sermon, song, go home, right? <laughs> Closing prayer, announcements. Closing prayer and announcements, right, exactly. And you can have the announcements at the front of the back. That's that's in second, second opinions, and that's fine. Collections yeah, separate and apart. It depends. But, but when you break out of that mold, and I worshipped with a group once for a few years where they did that, like there was no like it, how it was from week the order of service from week to week differed every time and just breaking out of that pattern um meant that you kind of had to pay attention to what was going on rather than just kind of falling into autopilot it meant that the speaker and the song leader and the people involved at the table were all kind of engaged throughout the week to plan how it was going to go. So they were in sync, which meant that the songs and the sermon and the, the, the thoughts before the Lord's Supper usually meshed pretty nicely. So that brought cohesion to the entire assembly. And, and a lot of times I think we just kind of, we walk in the doors and we know exactly what's going to happen. And so it's perfectly okay to listen with half an ear because we're not going to be surprised. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be caught off guard by something. We get very, very comfortable when we walk inside those doors and we sit in the same exact pew that we've sat in for however many years we've been there. And it, it, it's a comfortable bubble that we put ourselves in. And I don't think worship should ever be a comfortable bubble. 
Agreed. Um, there's, I wish I could remember the quote, but it was like, we approach, you know, as we worship God, we forget that we're sitting on a keg of dynamite. When we <laughs> think about the power of God that mm-hmm. we're in contact with during worship, when we think about the awesome power of God, we ignore the fact that we're sitting on a powder keg. And we just kind of go about our service, and then we go home, and we don't give it a second thought. Um, that's an awful digression. <laughs> but I really think that that engaging an entire comprehensive worship experience like that, it involves planning, and it involves thinking about ahead of time, and it really involves a congregation of people who understand what that is for. Yeah. Right? It's not just messing with things to to mix it up. It's done with a specific purpose in mind. And I really think that some of those times were the most powerful worship experiences I ever had simply because it it engaged me throughout the entire process. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I, I think I've always kind of wished that we'd mix it up and make the sermon actually a lower priority of the the morning um, instead of making it have, you know, like the most time committed to the sermon. I feel like it'd be awesome if it was just like a, you know, 15 minute sermon or some kind of a short sermon that was really just concise and really like you had a focus to it because you knew it was going to be over soon and you wanted to see like what what is this that he's got to say today. So you really are more intent on it. And it, the sermon should be something that is more in the worship vein on a Sunday. You know, like you've got people that want to worship God. Um, let them, you know, worship through the sermon, whatever that might be. You know, maybe that's not, you know, maybe Sunday night or Wednesday or some other day is better to say like, you know, here's how you can, um, you know, become a, a more diligent Bible reader, you know, sermon or something like maybe, you know, like, or whatever is more constructive learning kind of sermons. But, um, but worship, make it worship focused and then make, you know, put more songs in there if you can and put more time on the Lord's Supper, put songs revolving around the Lord's Supper, do songs before and after and like, just make the whole thing uh, more about the Lord's Supper. Cause that's like at the core of what we do. And, and then the sermon is kind of like an extra little punch of like, you know, uh, you know, uh, how does, how does he put it? He was, <laughs> um, when he's saying, you know, to just uh, exhort one another and admonish one another, like that's when you get to do that for a short punch there. Um, I think that that might be something that would be really cool to look at doing. Oh, some of my favorite ways to do a worship service is to put the Lord's Supper after immediately after the sermon because that way i as the speaker am forced to bring my message back to the whole reason that we're there in the first place oh yeah that's a good point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um if i had my way that's how we do it every single and i just said mix it up right but but to to <laughs> hypocrite to bring the lord's supper on the back of the sermon so that the entire message then drives us into that place. Um, I think that's a really effective way to link those two together, to remind us of why we're really there, which is to proclaim his death until he comes next week. We'll get there. Um, 
But it also makes me, as the speaker, engaged with that all week long. And so as I'm bringing the message, all that energy and focus that I've given ought to be coming across mm -hmm. to you as the, the church, as the saints who are being equipped for the, the work of the ministry. Do you think then, maybe, Daniel, that, uh, that preachers, teachers, evangelists, whatever, uh, do you think then that maybe they get lured into feeling the pressure to say something that's uh, new and cool? Do you know what I mean? Um, that, that maybe they feel the need that when they get up to, to speak to an audience that they need to bring something that's undiscovered or, you know, something to, to catch, to get your attention. Because yeah. I heard everything you guys say, and I think about it only slight, slightly different, but I think that there's, it feels like there's great pressure to do that. When, if, if we just took the epistles to just be sermons, um, you hear a lot of themes over and over again right? There are many things book to book that are very similar. Um, most, most things are really, really gospel centered. Um, and as you said, they focus on the one who died for us, uh, and rose and ascended back to the father. And, and so it feels like the messages are, 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 are they're all gospel centered and I do, I would say that just as he told Timothy, yes, they are meant to admonish and to build us up. But I think that's, that's some of the danger sometimes also, because I've, look, I've listened to many different folks on YouTube from all across all spectrums. And I, I hear this a lot. It feels like many of the messages are just meant to get, to entertain me rather mm -hmm than to focus back on God and to stay gospel-centered um, at the risk of saying something similar to what they said last week. When truth be told, I think, I think that's what we're supposed to be hearing what we heard last week because it's still about Jesus, you know? Yeah. Honestly, having done this for a little while, I think the number one thing that you get is apathy. Um people really don't care all that much what you preach about as long as you're not like getting way out, out of the bible they're fine with it um and then what i've found is like kind of novel things kind of different perspective interpretations um while fully supported by scripture and entirely within the bounds of the gospel message makes people uncomfortable they want to hear what they're used to hearing over and over and over again. Um, and I think it's part of that, that, that it's a, it's, it's not fully appreciating the dynamic between the speaker and the, the saints. It's not, I, I think that sometimes we don't really see that relationship that the speaker and, and, you know, to be fair, a lot of times the speaker misses the relationship too um, and kind of forgets why he's up there speaking, which is to prepare the people to go out in the week, to face the challenges they're mm -hmm. going to face, to carry the message with them. I heard a, 
a really famous preacher one time, written a lot of books, you know, really famous guy, who said, and it's resonated with me, he says, I get 40 minutes a week to undo what Satan's had 160 some odd hours to do. Like, yeah. and that's how he views his time. And I think that's really valuable as someone who does this regularly to think about. Like, because think about your audience, right? You've got people from every, all across the spectrum of humanity listening to you on any given Sunday. How are you going to address every single person's every single need? The answer is you're not. Well, Unless yeah. you preach the gospel. Yeah. 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 That's I totally agree. Yeah. I, I I agree with you. That is that is the one thing that everyone needs anyways. And 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 even if if you've heard it a million times, then it's good. Count yourself blessed that you'll get to hear it a million and one. Right. And for the folks who never have, this is all that you can give them that's gonna save them from themselves. Right. So I completely agree, I, but I, I'm going to go back to your apathetic point. I, I wholeheartedly agree that, that that unfortunately that's the case. And I, I will give you this too. I'm sorry I cut you off one more. Um, uh, uh, someone I was talking to about this, a friend, not particularly about this topic, but very similar. We were talking about, um, uh, a, I guess, a similar topic in the gospel or, or what you preach and what you teach. And I said, you know, whenever someone gets up to preach and teach, you would assume that the audience is in touch with the Bible. Like you would assume that the audience knows something or has some some history with this book in front of them or their electronic piece of whatever. Um, and he said, you should never make that assumption. You can't assume that people there actually know what's in the book. And, and whether you agree or disagree with that statement, there's actually some truth in there. There's and I a think, lot of truth in there. Yeah, and, and I think that lends itself to the very fact that the gospel should be center in what is said, because as you said, that, that famous preacher said, this is, this is the time to bring it back. And, and I forget the part in the gospel I was actually looking for, not the gospel, but uh, a letter that Paul wrote, it's a very nuanced thing that he said, but he said, I'm telling you all this to remind you of these things. And I think that's what's so core to what a preacher, teacher, evangelist, anyone is doing when they have the opportunity to speak to an audience. Um, I don't think they should they should buckle under the pressure of feeling like, man, I feel like I've said this before. Man, it's good that you are saying it again. Yeah, I think so, too. The part about the 45 minutes um, or the 40 minutes to, you know, for a preacher to undo essentially what saints had all week to do something about that. And, you know, I probably you know, I don't have context for the whole like statement, but something about that actually kind of bothers me. Um, and it's the fact that I think sometimes, uh, you know, preachers, evangelists, they, they get this mindset that it's, you know, kind of up to them to help the congregation, you know, fight the battle. Like there's, I almost get concerned that there's too much self-importance that the preacher could attach to themselves. Because if the preacher is actually equipping the saints and, um, you know, teaching them the gospel, um, you know, giving them, um, you know, nourishment instead of milk, then 
all week long, those people are fighting Satan already. So when, when they get back in on Sunday, like they're just getting a high five. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you know, it's up to you as the preacher to come in and try and save them from all of you know Satan's evils during the week. <laughs> that's kind of what in my mind I was like, well, that's, uh, there's a caution there, right? Like that if the preacher is preaching the right thing, the congregation, you know, is going to be taken care of all week long. They're going to be figuring this out. I think ideally that's, uh, yeah, ideally yes. I think that would be so, but but I would also say this though. Ideally, in this in that That's world, the third time I love that you did that. <laughs> I did ideally. I can't stop saying yep. it. Uh, I I think if that were the case, then what you would also get is a bunch of people showing up uh, to worship. And this is why I said I would disagree. I disagree with you guys only slightly in what we talked about. How maybe to present the worship, you wouldn't need to do any of that because you would have people showing up realizing who they were coming before and man let me tell you what you could lead the the 18 oldest slowest songs known to man they wouldn't care because the words of those songs give glory to god and they wouldn't care you know uh, somebody could get up to preach and read 10 verses and no one would care because they would see those as being god breathed and would would nearly cry at the fact that they could hear the words read any prayer as long short stumbled over whatever they would feel the same way. And, and and I think those are the type of people that the Lord's looking for, and that is what He's looking for. And that's what He's looking for in worship when we address Him. But I don't think I don't think that you necessarily get that. And I think that's 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 some of the reason why maybe Paul's approaching Timothy saying, Hey man, you gotta preach the word. Like you have to do these things. Um, th- that's also why Paul said that the time's going to come when people won't endure sound doctrine. They'll have itching ears taking to themselves teachers of men. That's what they'll want to hear. That's why as an elder in Acts 20, he said, I know that after I leave, savage wolves are going to come in and, and just destroy the flock, not sparing any of you, right? I, unfortunately, I think in the world that we live in, because Satan is so active, he is pulling and tugging on people who are are believers in Jesus so that he pulls them away from being that that committed in that way mm-hmm. distracted Jesse, Jesse I completely get what you're saying and I hear it but unfortunately the I mean the simple fact is we're all at different places in our walk and we're all struggling with all kinds of different things and if it was just you know me preaching to you then I wouldn't you know I wouldn't worry about what you've been up to all week long but it's not and and so you kind of have to it's a balancing act right you have to be able to keep all these disparate um individuals in mind as you're preparing what you're going to bring before the congregation uh you have to be able to engage as many people as you can knowing for a fact that some of them are absolutely hurting and some of them are absolutely struggling and some of them are absolutely rejoicing in the Lord day after day after day. Mm-hmm. You have to encompass all of that. And like Julian said, ideally, I think you're absolutely right, Jesse. Unfortunately, you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, chief among them myself, and we all have to 
you know, we, we have to recognize that we're not in that ideal place yet. Yeah, and I wasn't trying to oversimplify it. I mean, I guess, oh, it, no, no, I I guess it did, but, um, you know, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of times where I've gone to, you know, like Costa Rica with Julian and you, Daniel, and, you know, try to preach to people there and realize that they're teaching me stuff. You know what I mean? Like, oh, sure. these people, like, you know, like, I go and think, man, you know, th- I'm going to, you know, teach them from the ground up. But, like, people are already reading their Bibles. We've t- taught people that are like, man, I'm so glad you're here. I've been reading my Bible at 4 a.m. every day because I have to mm-hmm. read it for an hour before I go to work. <laughs> and I've yeah. been doing this for, like, five months. And, like, you know, I've, I've you know, I'm, you know, I've, I've what are, you know, I'm learning all these things. And I'm like, man, I've never woken up at 4 o'clock to read my Bible. Like, I'm learning from these people, right? So, yeah. like, you know, I, I went in feeling like, you know, with the wrong, I think maybe attitude on my part, thinking I'm going to go like teach these people. And, um, really like we're all in it together and some people have a role, you know, to be more of a, you know, a mouthpiece, I suppose. But, um, I just don't want that person to feel like too self-important, I guess is maybe my point. Like there's, mm. th- cause that's very dangerous when you see that happen. Um, oh yeah, which is why it's like I don't know, it's up to me in forty minutes to save these people, you know, because that to me is sounds self-important. Well, Paul's letters are I agree are with that full of warnings against that, and so, um, yeah, that's absolutely a concern and something that anybody who would um, humble themselves to take on the responsibility of of teaching the word right needs to have that in their mind at all times mm-hmm. uh, not many of you should be teachers james says um <laughs> with good reason <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well you know you bring up a really good point uh jesse because i can think about multiple times from costa rica <laughs> where <laughs> we went in we went in and got told <laughs> it was yeah, like yeah sure. and it but you know i mean you could only take that as a plus. It was like we both walked away and we were like, man, that was good stuff. It's like I yeah. went into preach and got a Bible study. Man, thank you. You know? Yeah, and, for sure. And, and I think you're right. Yeah, I, I, I see where you were going now. Um, so if, if you were listening to the point from a minute ago, fast forward. Now I see where you're going, uh, which is <laughs> people attempt, like, thinking this is about them. Right? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Any good, good, good call out in James there, uh, Daniel. It, it's so not about us <laughs> or us on this call or anybody because it's still about Jesus. Like at no point in time, and maybe that's a reflection for a sermon too. If the sermon is really just ref- trying to to bolster or show your greatness, you're not preaching the gospel because preaching the gospel is going to show how you don't have it right. Right. And Jesus does. And only by his grace are you even able to stand up and and just reflect what he what he's got what the Holy Spirit breathed out on this page. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Completely agree. Well, take Paul's example. Right. We think of Paul as like the evangelist. Right. He is the guy. But in First Corinthians two, he's like, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling in my speech. Mm -hmm. And my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in 
the power of God. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. is something to take mm-hmm. to the pulpit every single Sunday. Yeah. Uh, very true. Very true. Hey, look, and to show that he says the same thing as I said a minute ago twice, I just pulled this up. in First Thessalonians uh, 2, 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Wow, like that's good. That's how you. That's how you bring it. <laughs> that's yep. how you bring it. So true. Yeah, and what's really fun is when you get a Jeremiah seven sermon, right? I don't know what a Jeremiah God tells seven Jeremiah, sermon is. Go stand in the temple gates, and you tell all these people how horrible they all are. <laughs> <laughs> And go do it again, Jeremiah. And do it again, and do it again, and they're not going to listen. They're actually going to throw things at you. Yeah, Yeah, that wouldn't work very well on a YouTube algorithm. He wouldn't have anyone subscribing or following. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Which is, you know, which is a a problem with these days. Because, like, the model right now is clickbait, right? And in YouTube, like, I was watching a video from someone that actually liked their channel, and, um, and they're like, you know what? I'm sorry to say, but you know, I've been doing a ton of research trying to figure out. And this is like a science guy, how to get more viewers to make this like something that's my livelihood. And um, and at the end of the day, it's like just get more clickbaity. I I hate to say it, but that's like what all my research has led to. <laughs> and so that's what I'm gonna do. And so I uh, hope you roll with me on it. I, I'm just telling you what it is because that's what I, I have to do to make my channel work. Um, because he was like super open about it, but it got me thinking about, you know, people that put all, you know, their ministry is YouTube based and whatnot too. Like they have the same problem. You know, you're trying to get, you know, followers and viewers and the clickbait society isn't really like a long-term solution for like what, you know, no one's going to subscribe to get you know, told that they're, you know, that rebuked, you know, from the pulpit, right? Like you're going to be like, uh, <laughs> I don't like what that guy says. So I'm going to go over to something else. <laughs> Right, so it's a very oh. weird time that we live in. You'll know, how to navigate through all this. <laughs> all right, I'm really cool. gonna get into social media right now? No, oh, please like, don't make me. <laughs> sounds like there's a typing bass drum going on. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was. Man, I hate it. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, okay. Guilty. I was looking. <laughs> I was looking up the quote that, and oh, this, this, everybody's gonna get mad, but I'm gonna use a Matt Chandler uh, quote. He he quoted, and he 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 said, I don't know to his congregation. He was like, I don't know what's wrong with you people. I tell you that the Lord says that you're bad people. I tell you that you're getting stuff wrong, and week after week you keep coming back and you bring more people with you what's the <laughs> matter right and I, was, I was looking for this quote oh, that's funny. Uh, too good too good nice i like that all right so what, what's our conclusion at the end of the day uh sermon is it an act of worship is it a, sen- a sunday essential act of worship hmm? uh, could we just okay could we break it apart i know you're not gonna allow me to 
Jesse. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll allow you to because we can okay. do anything you want. Is it essential? Absolutely. Yes, uh, I it is. Absolutely. And see, it's it's really, we didn't even break it down. When we say preach and teach, like, it happens in so many different ways, right? Sure. Uh, and is it essential? Yes. Can it be worship? It seems like if done, yes, it can be. Is it always? I don't know that it is. Uh, that yeah. was an upside down face. I'm sorry, you guys can't see my face. I'm like, <laughs> I, I think I I'm. I think I'm on board with Julian. I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I that he, it always. I think is. he kind of got it for us. I think it's a good breakdown, and certainly, hopefully, there be um, you know more, more um, teaching, preaching, that kind of stuff going on all week long. So, that's if if we're not teaching, then we're doing something wrong as brothers and sisters. So um, to that. yeah, we could always yeah. be uh, helping other people out, even if that's not our strength. There's so many ways to do it that are our actions, our phone call and encouraging text or whatever it is. So, amen. Yeah. Sit amen. down and read the Bible together. Yeah. yeah. Cool, guys. All right. Well, that's uh, that's it for this week, then. I think we covered it. And next week it is going to be the Lord's Supper, which is the fifth official act that we wanted to cover and after that, we, I think we'll probably have like some kind of bonus episode of like, you know, others. We already did fasting, but I'm sure there'll be a couple others we think of. So, yes. Cool. If you need to reach out, reach out, send us, send us a question at rebukejulian at gmail.com. <laughs> That's not I'm your actual email. Right it's not. Sending up it's fake not. emails. It's not. I'm signing up right now. Okay. Connect with us via Instagram or Facebook, some other way. And uh, we'll be, be in touch and see you guys next week. Read the blog. Yes. Bye. Peace.